Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hey, thanks for tuning in on this Monday, the Memorial of St. Vincent de Paul here on The Inner Life, our program about spiritual direction on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and I hope your Monday is off to a good start. Now, let me ask, are you an honest person? And even as I ask you that, are you being honest about how honest of a person you are? Are you being honest with yourself? Now, who's the most honest person you know? There's that old story, that myth of George Washington being honest as a young boy, and I'm sure you remember it. You've probably heard it. It basically goes that when George Washington was six years old, he received a hatchet as a gift. And then he went out, and as young boys do, they try out their new toy immediately. And it turns out that he damaged his father's cherry tree. And when his father discovered what he'd done... He became angry, he confronted his son and young little George. He bravely said, I cannot tell a lie. I did cut the cherry tree with my my hatchet. And then George's father, he's so happy, he reaches out, he hugs his son close to him, and so glad that his son's honesty, that's worth far more than a cherry tree or even a thousand cherry trees. But It's actually ironic how this myth came into being. It's not something that ever really did happen, at least not as far as anyone knows historically. But it came into the American consciousness because of a man named Mason Locke Weems. Weems, he was one of George Washington's earliest biographers. And after Washington's death in 1799, the public, well, they wanted to learn more about the life of the very first president of the United States. So Weems, he wrote a biography, The Life of Washington. And it was published just one year later for the very first time. It was published in 1800. It was an instant bestseller, but Weems, he kept on adding things to it and revising it. He was very deliberate in how he wanted to portray Washington. And he had had a conversation before he ever wrote the biography, talked with his publisher, and he said, this is a quote, he wanted to show George, that George Washington's unparalleled rise and elevation were due to his great virtues, wanted to promote the virtues. So Weems, he created a number of fictitious stories about Washington to show how great a man can become if he lives the virtues. And by the fifth edition of his biography, Released only six years later in 1806, Weems had finally added in that story about the cherry tree. He lied about George Washington in order to stress the point that honesty, being a truthful individual, is of the utmost importance. 
Now, Billy Joel, he has a song called Honesty. And in the chorus, he says, Honesty is such a lonely word. Everyone is so untrue. Honesty is hardly ever heard. And mostly what I need from you. What do you think? Is honesty, is it lonely? Is it rarely heard? And going back to my original question, are you an honest person? And are you honest with yourself about yourself? Because today on The Inner Life, we want to have an honest conversation about a struggle that many Catholics, many Christians deal with in their lives. Something that they hide, something that causes them to live a kind of double life. Something that they might even try and deny as a problem for themselves. But being honest with yourself is critical if you want to find freedom from this sin. And today, we're going to talk about pornography. And if pornography is that secret sin that you keep trying to fight, but like any addiction, you find yourself falling back into it, well, this hour, we want to offer you some hope. And I mean that. There is real hope. But we're going to discuss some practical things that you can do to break free from this addiction. But you'll need to be honest about your struggle. Now, obviously, this is a topic that might not be appropriate for younger ears. We're going to do our best to keep the conversation elevated and not discuss anything gratuitous. But we're also going to be talking about subject matter that you probably wouldn't want your young child to hear. So if you have a little one nearby, this is fair warning. And if you want to hear this conversation later when you're not in that same listening space as your child, of course, you can go back and you can pull up the podcast of today's show uh, this afternoon on RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And joining us today to talk about healing, about freedom from pornography, uh, very first time here on The Inner Life, very glad to welcome Father Sean Kilcally. He's a priest of the Diocese of Lincoln. He's the pastor of St. Leo the Great and St. Martin of Tours Catholic Churches and the director of the Office of Family Life and the Freedom for, from Pornography Apostolate. Uh, Father Sean, I'm so glad to have you on the program today. Welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks, Josh. It is a great joy to be with you today. Well, and so as we're going to be talking about pornography, pornography addiction, you've been working in this field helping individuals for a number of years. How did this come about that you started working to help people in recovery and freedom from pornography? Yeah, so I studied at the John Paul II Institute for Marriage and Family in Rome from 2009 to 2013. And when I returned, I was assigned as the director for religious education. And, and I've always had a great passion for the truth, beauty, and goodness of God's plan for marriage and family life. And, and as I was, I was reviewing sort of our ninth grade chastity curriculum and rewriting it according to the anthropology from the Institute. And I was really excited about that. Um, but then after maybe a couple months of hearing confessions of high school students, I just had to, I had to be honest about the fact that that curriculum alone wasn't going to be effective um, because of the, the shift in culture that happened between 2009 and 2013, roughly. And um, where when I left to go to Rome, like I taught high school and all my students, you know, they could send text messages during class. That was the biggest distraction. Because um, they could put their hand in their pocket, feel the buttons on their phone, send a message without looking. And, 
and today they can't do that anymore, but all their phones, you know, have screens and all those screens are vehicles and delivery systems for everything on the internet. Right. And the average age of exposure has dropped to, to between eight and 11 years old. Um, 25% of divorces are because of pornography or other, some form of, you know, online cyber sexual activity. And, and so, so the first stage in the spiritual life, right, is to stop sinning. And, and so I just kind of started to put my focus there on um, like, how do we help people be free, you know, with this problem that is really most common in the church? Well, so you say that 25% of all divorces will cite pornography or some sort of online uh, sexual activity Mm -hmm. as one of the reasons for a divorce. How prevalent is viewing pornography among Catholics and Christians? Earlier this year, I was listening to an audiobook by Edward Snowden, and he was talking about his time working for the CIA and all of the NSA covert surveillance that was happening. And he made a comment a couple of times in his book that everyone looks at porn. And I, I spoke with a, a priest a number of years ago who, when I asked if this was a common sin that he hears brought up in the confessional, and he, he responded, he said, oh, Josh, it's an epidemic. So... How how many people if I go to if I go to mass on Sunday, how many people there in church are struggling with this? Yeah, so we don't have that stat. Like I, I don't know anybody that has ever done statistics on Catholics specifically. Okay, the Barna study back in about two thousand it was in two thousand fourteen or two thousand fifteen um, did do a research on Christians and found that sixty percent of Christian men. Uh, seek out pornography at least monthly. Okay, so Christian men, it, did it not address women, or was that just a, a much <laughs> I lower think number? among women, it was lower. Um, I can't remember the exact number on that. I think it was it was somewhere between 15 and, and I think 15% of Christian women and 40% of women generally. Okay, so. all right. Well, so another thing, maybe before we kind of dig into what are some of the very practical ways that we can look at this, and I also want to throw out the phone number here too, because I'm sure that there are a lot of people listening saying, okay, you know, I I really, this is something that I, I'm struggling with, or maybe it's somebody that a wife has a husband who's struggling with it, or a parent has a son or a daughter who's struggling with it. And our, our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And maybe you're somebody who's found freedom from pornography, from sins of lust. And what has helped you to maintain that freedom, that sobriety from pornography. Maybe you're struggling with it right now and you do need some help. You do need some advice. And that's why Father Sean is here. Again, studio line 888-914-9149. But one of the things that I think is always attached to anything dealing with lust is shame. It has this kind of stigma attached to it. But we don't get that with a lot of other sins. I mean, there might be other sins I'm not proud to admit to own up to. But if I eat too much, if I'm gluttonous, uh, you know, I mean, one of those seven deadly sins, people wouldn't ostracize me the same way they would for sexual sins. 
And I don't feel the need to hide it in the same way. You know, I, I, I can see commercials for Weight Watchers and Nutrisystem, all these weight loss programs and other options for eating healthy, for shedding pounds, exercise programs. Nobody thinks any less of you if you want to get healthy with what you're doing eating-wise, with exercising. It's not embarrassing to try and talk about that. But if we're struggling with sexual sin, nobody wants to talk about it, you know? Even even parents trying to talk with their kids, you know, have the talk, it's been portrayed numerous times as this awkward exchange, this interaction. Why is there this shame or this embarrassment associated with trying to be healthy when it comes to our sexuality, when it doesn't seem that that's associated with so many other sins. Yeah, so I think that there's a couple of reasons for that. You know, one is what I learn as I <clears throat> as I've been doing this work is that you know the majority of maybe a college students and adults that I work with, the the two most common factors contributing to their addiction is that. They had early exposure to pornography and zero education about human sexuality from their parents. Um, and, and then maybe the question is, why don't parents have that conversation with their children? Um, and, and I really think there's a limited number of resources out there for them. Um, when I was growing up, you know, pornography exposure was less, less common, much less common. And, uh, and our parents could maybe get away with not having that much of a talk. Uh, but today, parents don't really have a choice. They have to talk. And, and if they don't, their children are going to Google all their questions, and then, and then they get exposed, and, and then they're on their way to, to addiction. Uh, a couple of resources that are really good, there's, there's a book called Wonderfully Made Babies that's really a script for parents. Um, to be able to talk to their children. And, and it's all written within the context of the creation narrative and has an imprimatur from Archbishop Chaput. Uh, it's, it's just a very good resource. And um, it's probably the only Catholic read to your child sex ed book that I know of. And um, so a lot of times parents have felt like they're, they're kind of out there on an island trying to navigate this on their own. And they, and they really just need permission to, to be able to talk about it. The good news is that young people don't have as much shame about talking about it. So like college students are really pretty open. If, if they feel like the conversation's open and there's somebody that will listen to them, they, they really are much less inhibited um, to seek help and, and to want to get help and to join groups and to do all the things that are necessary to be free. And, and so that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times that early exposure to pornography, that the the age has gone down, that it's, uh, you know, obviously with the internet, with, uh, you know, having smartphones in the pocket of every teenager pretty much across the country, mm-hmm. it's it's so easily accessible. So there's that early exposure part there too. Um, what else is... I, I guess, and this is probably going to be different for each person, but are there some common things that you see in somebody who ends up falling into pornography? Is there something that if a parent is listening that they can say, okay, let me try and uh, help my child avoid some of these pitfalls? 
Yeah. So the main things, as I said, are early exposure and a lack of an open relationship with their parents. And, and so like Patrick Carnes has a book called Don't Call It Love, which was a study of like 1500 sexual addicts. And, um, and what he identifies as the underlying issues for them uh, we're coming from a rigid disengaged family system or a rigid or disengaged family system, which basically means a rigid system is where there's rigid rules and roles and everybody kind of always plays that role. Like in an alcoholic family system, a lot of times one person is always the family hero and one person's always the one who gets in trouble. And, and uh, a disengaged system is a system where there just isn't open communication or open relationships. Now, sometimes people will say, I could talk to my parents about everything in the world. And I'd say, well, did you tell them when you were exposed to pornography? And their answer is, oh, no, Nick, no way. Um, or if I'm hearing confessions of high school students, you know, my number one question I might ask them with their permission is, do your parents know? And can you tell your parents that you're struggling with this? Because the parent is the one who has control of their phone and the parent is the one who could get them counseling. And and, uh, and the answer is, is overwhelmingly, no, I can't tell them because either they're afraid of getting in trouble, they're afraid their parents won't understand, um, their parents have never opened up that conversation. And, um, and so, so there can be situations where everything is wonderful except for this area of sexuality, which gets kind of sort of split off on the side, and it's something that people feel like they have to navigate by themselves. No, and, you're... you're I'm sorry, go ahead, Father. And, and so that's, that's what leads to a lot of the shame around it, too, is it becomes very isolating for them. Well, and that's what I was going to ask, you know, that isolating aspect there. If somebody is, you know, hiding something, do you think it's important? You're talking about kids and being able to talk with their parents about this. If somebody is out of the house they don't, you know, if, they, if they're a single man or a single woman, uh, is it important for them to admit this to someone? If somebody's married, should they actually tell their spouse about it if they're struggling with pornography? Or is it okay to just try and quietly deal with it on your own? So I have never met anyone who has long-term sobriety or long-term freedom who did that while keeping secrets. So like there can be no intimacy without honesty. And, and so like, does a husband have to tell his wife, I would never give somebody your penances to tell your wife. Of course I would never do that. Um, but eventually once people enter into a recovery process and, and they start to experience some freedom, typically they, they just can't, function unless they they're gonna have to tell their wife eventually because because they're keeping a huge secret and um and but it's best to do that with somebody else to help navigate the conversation and there are therapists who are trained in doing disclosures with uh with couples um that can walk through the process with them you know the last thing that you know i ever want to see and i see it all the time is when somebody discloses, but they don't disclose everything because that causes a great amount of distress for the spouse, whether it's a wife receiving a husband's disclosure or a husband receiving a wife's disclosure. 
And, and then a couple of weeks later, oh, wait, I remembered something else and I'm going to tell you something more. Oh, wait, there's something more. And, it, and it's really hard to rebuild trust when mm. there's that kind of trickle disclosure. Right. And, and so, so therapists who have training, um, they're, they're really good at managing that. Well, let's pick up on that here in just a moment, but uh, I want to invite our listeners into the conversation again. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, We're talking with our spiritual director today, Father Sean Kilcally. He's a priest of the Diocese of Lincoln. And talking about pornography, have you found that freedom from pornography? What has helped you to be able to walk away, to be able to overcome that Maybe you're struggling with it right now, and it's something that you feel that shame that Father is talking about. You aren't sure how you're going to pull yourself out of that sin, and you'd like some advice, you'd like some encouragement. That's why Father Sean is here. Our studio line again, 888-914-9149. Email address is relevantradio.com. More coming up right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for this hour, Father Sean Kilcally, a priest of the Diocese of Lincoln, pastor of St. Leo the Great and St. Martin of Tours Catholic Churches, and the director of the Office of Family Life, and the Freedom from Pornography Apostolate, and today talking about pornography. And if you've just joined us, if you have younger listeners that are close by, uh, just be aware that we are talking about a little more uh, adult matter subject, uh, trying to approach this uh, very tactfully, <laughs> but of course it might be something if you do have a younger child that's with you, uh, you might want to tur- turn off the radio for now and come back and listen to the podcast later. It'll be available this afternoon at relevantradio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. We're also taking your phone calls. Uh, maybe you struggle with pornography and you would like some advice as you're trying to find your way out of that, find some freedom from pornography. Our studio line, 888 I also wanted to bring to your attention uh, Father Rocky, our executive director here at Relevant Radio. He ended up uh, joining Patrick Madrid on his show a little earlier this morning with a big announcement. And rather than me say anything about it, I thought I would just play some of that audio for you. So here's Father Rocky. Today, um, we've got a very big announcement. Just moments ago, just moments ago, three minutes ago, Relevant Radio, EWTN, and the Napa Institute issued a joint press release announcing our common effort to pray and promote the daily recitation of the rosary during the month of October. That starts on Friday. We're praying for the intention of the end of legal abortion in America and the outpouring of support 
for expectant mothers. In so doing, we're hoping to mobilize millions of Americans to pray the rosary daily. Now, our listeners, they can join us as they do each evening on the Family Rosary Cross America at 7 p.m. Central Time or on our app any time of the day, or they can pray it on their own, or they pray it with EWTN. They do it twice daily or or whatever with an app institute. What's, what's really uh, beautiful here, um, Patrick, is you know this is the first time that Relevant Radio and EWTN and Napa have collaborated on a joint project. Yeah, really excited about this. I hope you will be able to during October, which is the month of the rosary. I hope you'll be able to pray that daily rosary with us for the end of abortion here, uh, end of legal abortion here in the U.S. And again, you can always join Father Rocky for the family rosary across America each evening at 7 p.m. Central. Um, uh, Starting October 1st, I, I really encourage you to make it a priority to pray that daily rosary. If, even if you can't join for the live rosary, um, go to the Relevant Radio app. Use one of the audio uh, rosaries there or just say it on your own. Um, but please join so many other thousands and thousands, hopefully even millions of people who are praying together for the end of abortion coming up this next month starting this Friday. Uh, let's go back to our conversation with Father Sean Kilcally. And Father, um, before the break, you talked about how if somebody wants to uh, go ahead and have a conversation with a spouse, they can go and seek out help from a counselor, a therapist. Um, right there, you know, that also might sound really frightening to somebody that they've got this secret or kind of hidden sin and now you're wanting them to open up to somebody that they don't know. Um, I know you're also a big fan of 12-step programs for overcoming porn addiction. What would you say to encourage somebody to take that first step of being able to talk with somebody, even if it's not somebody you know, you know, going to kind of that anonymous 12-step group or being able to find that counselor, that therapist? Yeah, so so oftentimes, you know, that person, the only person they've ever told is the priest in the confessional. And they've only told the priest in the confessional while sitting behind a screen and and really trusting that that priest is going to have no idea who they are. And so, so, so the very nature of that um, can reinforce the kind of this kind of anonymous life that we have, and uh, and so, so like the first step might be to make an appointment with the priest to talk outside of confession, and and to go into an environment that's more like spiritual direction and, and to find somebody that they trust and is going to be able to receive their story well. And, and, uh, and then, you know, if that's still not helping them, then, then they might pick up the phone and find a counselor who's trained in sexual addiction treatment. And, and that's, they just give someone the ability to go talk to another person who's talked to thousands of people like you. And, and one of the you know, biggest shame experiences people have is they think they're the only one in the world who ever discovered there was pornography on the internet. And, and like nobody else does this. Or maybe people do this, but nobody does this that's Catholic. Or nobody does this in my parish. 
And, and people just can feel very isolated and alone in that. One of the questions I always ask is like, what if you could walk into a room and share your story and everybody would just look at you and say, yeah, me too. Like that would feel pretty good, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know? Like that would feel pretty good. Well, father, what if there's somebody in there that knows me? I'm like, well, when you walk in the room, they're going to be like, oh no, Bob's here. Like they have the same experience you do, like because they know you too, and and really they're just going to be glad that you're there. Yeah, and uh, you know, and and it's just like having a men's Bible study, but everybody tells the truth. You know, not that everybody doesn't tell the truth at all men's Bible studies, but sometimes people have that experience of going to their parish men's group. The topic of pornography comes up, and the first person sort of shares, "Well, glad we're here, and none of us do that." And it immediately can shut down um, somebody's hope that maybe there was an opportunity to to share that with somebody and, and to get help now. Well, let's also um, here in a moment talk about 12-step programs too and why you're a big fan of those. But let's also go to the phones right now, Father. We've got Great. Dub who is listening to us in El Centro, California. Hi, Dub. Welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air with Father Sean. Hi, good morning. Um, so I overheard everything you guys were talking about for porn addiction and how people have overcome them um, talking to their spouses and everything. And then, you know, it's crazy because when I was on hold and they asked me, would you like to share your story? They, while you guys were saying that, I was saying the exact same thing. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's something that uh, I, I do. I did um, have a tremendous porn addiction and then I'm in my marriage and before my marriage, um, when I was, a, when I was young, before, when I became a teenager, I discovered it and, um, it just became part of my life, like a, a routine kind of thing. And I thought nothing of it, although, um, I knew it was wrong. Um, I didn't see anything wrong. I didn't believe it was wrong. And, um, when, once, uh, I got to the point where I, excuse me, I'm just going to walk. I'm on this phone. Um, once I, once I got, a little older, got married and everything, I would hide it, like really bad, I would hide it. And um, it was very embarrassing to to let anybody know. I, I thought I was going to take this to my grave, not tell a single soul, except for when I went to confession, just how you guys were saying. But then I, be, and I became a little wiser, and I was like, you know what? This isn't a full-hearted confession, like, because I'm still doing it. And if it was, you know, I, I'm not... I'm not taking any remorse on this. Like I don't see, I'm not feeling any remorse of the confession, no humility, something that's going to stop me from doing it again. You know, it's just a, I'm just saying words, empty words at that time. And, um, so that was invalid in my, my, my confession. And in my heart, I didn't, I, I just felt like, Oh, I'm just going to do this again. Whatever. I could just be forgiven again because our God is a loving God. And I would use it. I would take advantage of that. But, um, my wife, eventually, um, she caught me a few times and I ended up, um, um, you know, begging for her forgiveness. She gave me an ultimatum at one point, um, Hey, me or porn. And I chose her of course, but even then I was still struggling and I told her, you know what, um, help me with this, you know, what, what can I do to like, help get to fix our relationship in this. She told me, just be more open with me. When times come, when you have a lustful moment or you ha you're having urges, 
I'm your wife. I'm here for you. Let me know. Don't hide this from me. And, you know, if we have time, we can share our intimacy or, you know, if we don't, you know, just try to be patient because I'm here for you. My wife was so loving and supportive of me that it helped me. And that with prayer just helped me overcome it. And I, I don't succumb to that anymore. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, thanks so much for calling and sharing your story, uh, Dub, and just encouraging. And, you know, it sounds like he was able to do this just with the help of his wife, Father. Um, I I mentioned I wanted to talk with you about 12-step programs. Mm -hmm. What it sounds like we're hearing from Dub is what might be, you know, while not an easy road to go down, um, and I'm sure there was a lot of... Uh, just awkward conversations and uh, probably some tears that were shed there between husband and wife, but kind of sounds like it might've been a lot easier than what other people might be dealing with, Um, you know, to just have that support of your wife. I mean, I, I, I would imagine there's a lot of people who would be afraid to tell their wife you know, just outright and talk with her, have her be kind of maybe that accountability partner for them. Yeah, I think that's an extraordinary wife. And, and, I, and I really think that, you know, there should be, and I'm sure he does have a lot of gratitude for that. And, and it's a story of his wife really showing him mercy, you know, and it's mercy that leads to conversion. And, and so... So some people, like, they can have that story. Everybody's story is so different mm. that there's not a one-size-fits-all thing for everybody. And and because a lot of times, you know, on the flip side of things, a lot of spouses, like, they don't want to be the accountability partner for their husband. Mm. And right. a lot of spouses, as soon as they find out, if they have prior trauma in their life, if they've been betrayed by somebody else, if their dad had sexual issues, if they've been sexually abused, that just triggers all of those feelings in the same moment. And, and, it's, and, and she's going to need a lot of support and a lot of people to walk with her. And, and there are communities out there for, for betrayed spouses as well. And, um, and so, that, so it's just not going to work for everyone. And, um, and then sometimes a wife can feel like, you know, they have to be the guy's mom and mm. they don't want to be the guy's mom. Yeah. They want to be his wife. Um, so, so it's just, everybody's story is very different. And, um, let's also talk about timeline too, because this is something where, uh, you know, I, I, I mentioned kind of, you know, the eating, you know, comparison, if I'm gluttonous, mm-hmm. if I overeat earlier, but that's also one of those areas where, you know, there's always some new fad diet or some, you know, drop 10 pounds in 10 days or, you know, something like that. Everybody's looking for a quick fix. Everybody wants an immediate um, answer. Is there a, an immediate quick fix if you're struggling with pornography? Is there anything that you can do that it'll just, all right, problem solved and on with life? Uh-huh. Or is it going to be something that's going to take weeks or months or years to kind of dig yourself out of this. Right. So, so the only thing you have to do is surrender your entire heart to our Lord, your entire heart. 
that's all you have to do. Now, like, how long does that take? It takes as long as it takes. <laughs> An entire lifetime, yeah. <laughs> right? And and so there are certain things, like all, all of the things that we talk about, you know, like how do you quit pornography, all these things, they're just tools to help somebody to surrender their entire heart to our Lord. Um, you know, like St. Francis de Sales says, when fruits are whole, they may be stored up securely, some in straw, some in sand, even in their own foliage. But once bruised, they can only be preserved in sugar and honey. Right. And he makes that distinction between whole fruit and bruised fruit. And then he says, even so, the purity which has never been tampered with may well be preserved to the end. But once that has ceased to exist, it can only be preserved by the genuine devotion. Right. Which in St. Francis de Sales is the, it's the surrender of our entire heart to, to God who loves us. And, and so, so 12 step programs are about learning how to surrender your entire heart to God and, and every, you know, every other tool, whether it's covenantized and using filters and saying no to, to having access, uh, you know, all of that is just there to create space to grow in holiness. And, um, and we can get caught up in, in kind of Pelagian solutions. And as long as we're using a Pelagian solution, like if I do this, then I'll stop. Um, there's no real freedom in that. And, uh, and, and I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up is, is they might, they're still trying to quit on their own because some, for some reason they think that if, if they're just like have enough human willpower, then they can quit on their own and then they'll be ready to let God love them. Um, when really what they need is to encounter our Lord's mercy in their sinfulness. Yeah, they're doing it backwards. You're trying to get mm -hmm. yourself perfect so God can love you. You right. just need to let God love you, and right. then he'll be the one to make the changes. You, you know, you quoted St. Francis de Sales, and, uh, you know, one of the things that he talks about in his book, Introduction to the Devout, to the Devout Life, is purifying ourselves from sinful affections, um, he talks about, he, he gives this, this kind of uh, allegory of a man who loves melon, but his doctor says, if you eat any more melon, then you're going to die. It will kill you. And so he resolutely says, I will not eat melon, but he then ends up longing for it. He looks back at it, talks about it. He ends up uh, talking about when he might be able to have it again, thinks that anybody who can eat melon is so fortunate. And, and St. Francis de Sales is basically saying, this is what we can find ourselves doing with sin, where we, we hold that affection for the sin. And so what, maybe we can talk about that, that attachment, that affection. What do you think is the process, the best way that somebody can kind of switch that mindset. So it's not just, well, I don't want to do this because I know it's wrong and I'm trying to just get myself kind of cleaned up here. How do we look at sin so that it, it is what it really is, not something that we're held back from doing that we enjoy, but we have, we have a real knowledge of what this thing is, that it's a warped understanding of what the real good should be. Yeah, and, and so I think part of that is understanding, like, what good, what's the apparent good that I'm looking for would be one thing, 
right? And because some people, like the apparent good they're looking for in pornography and masturbation is power or, the, or having power or having control, or the apparent good is avoiding pain. Like I get to avoid the pain of my sadness or my grief or my anger, or the apparent good is the good of being received and like receiving affirmation from somebody like, and, and this can be all different reasons that people might fall into this. And, uh, and each individual for each person is a little bit different. And then, okay, like, how is it that our Lord wants to do that for me? Right. And then I need to avoid everything that gets in the way of our Lord doing that for me. And, and so, so there is a, there's an exercise called the three circles that's used oftentimes in, in recovery, but it's a really good, just spiritual kind of plan to make. And, and, and it just involves drawing three circles on a piece of paper. And there's the center circle. That's where you write down, you know, those sins you want to avoid. And then the second circle around that, you write down your boundaries, which would be like near occasions of sin. And, and for some people, that means that, you know, they can't go to YouTube anymore or they can't go to Facebook anymore because every time they do that, they end up falling mm -hmm. or they can't go to Amazon Prime. They can't do things that they used to do because they're bruised fruit, right? They have to live their life differently. Um, maybe once when they were 11 years old, they could watch a rated R movie and they wouldn't end up like falling all the way. Um, but now they just can't do that because... Um, because now if they do it, they're going to, they're going to fall for sure. And, right. and then it becomes about like, you know, what do I need to do there? And, and like, how much consent are we giving to impure fantasy and, and kind of, you know, like, like are people sitting around fantasizing about, I wish I was a bigger sinner before my conversion, right? <laughs> Just super common <laughs> fantasy. And, and as soon as our brain is going there, we're not free. And, and we've also lost sight of the good that our Lord wants for us. You know, and so one of the questions I always ask in spiritual direction is, is chastity a good for you? Right. And, and what is the good that it is for you? And, or is it a kind of a discipline that you have to do because it's a rule you have to follow? Mm -hmm. And because if you're choosing between an apparent good and a discipline, the apparent good's always going to win. Yeah. You have to be choosing between an apparent good and the true good. Well, and it sounds like the, the circles, the three circles you're talking about, you know, you're going to have to be honest with yourself and probably make some tough decisions if you want anything mm -hmm. to change. Right. And, and I always say like the, the, the hardest decision you're going to make is what goes in the center circle, because it's not always great moral sins that mortal sins that go in the center circle. Sometimes yeah. it's like YouTube videos. Um, and, um, and then how are you? just like being a good human because a lot of recovery is just about being a good human, like having good relationships, being vulnerable in relationships, enjoying life, doing things that are fun, not living in deprivation all the time. Right. Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, Father Sean Kilcally, a priest in the Diocese of Lincoln. And we're talking about pornography, especially freedom from pornography. What has helped you to find that freedom? Uh, maybe it's something you're struggling with right now in your life and you'd like some help, you'd like some advice. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And I know uh, a number of you have been holding for a little while here. Be patient. We're going to take your calls right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 
Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond and our spiritual director, Father Sean Kilcauley, a priest of the Diocese of Lincoln. And he's joining us as we're talking about pornography, freedom from pornography today here on The Inner Life. And our studio line is 888-914-9149. And Father, we've got Mike who's listening to us in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hi, Mike. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Hi. How are you, sir? Well, Father, we've got one thing in common. We both had the privilege of having Bishop Bruskowitz, didn't we? But what I wanted to ask you about, Father, was uh, I was always taught, because I was born totally blind, and thought, at least you won't have to worry about pornography. And I just wanted to correct that, because I've fallen into trouble with audio pornography, things that you can listen to in your ears. Mm-hmm. Started, I'm not going to go into long detail, but it was like a chat line, and, and it was a way to meet people, but it was also an exposure to an awful lot of uh, pornographic speech, for lack of a better word. And more and more, I started going back to that. I'm alone, I'm a widower, and I just am finally starting to understand what I'm doing, and I'm trying very, very hard to, to break that. Yeah, thanks, Mike, and uh, and thanks for pointing that out. You know, there's there's a line in um, it's in the Sexholics Anonymous white book actually, where it defines lust, and it says lust isn't sex; it's a it's a screen of self indulgent fantasy that separates me from my reality, and um, and so so lust manifests itself in lots of ways, and uh, and so so I really appreciate you, and I appreciate you calling in, and. Um, and I would encourage you like to to reach out and and to find some resources and, and some people to walk with you in that. And um and you can find um like you can look in your local parish and see what's there, but there's also there's online and phone meetings all the time for um for twelve step fellowships and and that might be a really good place to plug in. And you might even find some other people who have had this similar situation or similar experience. Uh, Father, we got an email from Brian. He wrote in and said, I I just wanted to share that I dealt with lustful addictions for a number of years. Here's what helped me find freedom. Uh, And he gives four points. One is offering my entire self, my body, my sexuality, everything to our Lord in prayer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two is praying a daily rosary. Number three is a support group, and he says, as someone who deals with same-sex attraction, the Courage Apostolate does a fantastic job of helping men and women live chaste lives. And then the fourth point kind of goes to what you were talking about with Mike. He said close friendships, because pornography can give a false sense of intimacy. And vulnerable friendships with accountability, it's so important. Um, He also talks about tools such as covenant eyes that can help with accountability. But um, let's talk about that because uh, pornography, it is looking for intimacy and it's replacing it with a cheap substitute that doesn't give that. And then at the end of the day, people are going to feel dirty and they're going to not feel you mentioned the word isolated earlier i mean that it's it's accomplishing the opposite of what somebody really is seeking out mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And it's, I mean, really like, like when we commit solitary sins, we're, we're taking the parts of our body that are meant to bring us into communion with the most important person in our life. And we're using them for the purpose of isolation. And, uh, and, and that continues to do damage, you know, to, to our hearts. <laughs> and so, yeah, so it is important to find those connected friendships and to find friendships with people who really get you and really understand you. And, and so for a lot of people, it, it can be a struggle finding those people. Yeah. Um, but I've, but I've also seen where, <laughs> where a lot of, a lot of, I've just seen like a growth in our recovery community and our freedom from pornography apostolate because somebody calls their friend for support and then their friend's like, Oh, I need help too. And then they end up coming. And, um, and I really, you know, my desire is that our churches are a place where, you know, they are a refuge for sinners and, and it's, it's okay to go there seeking help and seeking mercy and seeking transformation. Um, and I, and I just pray for the day when, when we're really more open to that and, and there's less shame around it. Father, we've got Matt who's listening to us in New Jersey. Matt, we're down to just a couple minutes, but wanted to get you on before the end of the program. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Hi, Father Sean. Hey, Matt. I just, yeah, I just want to share that uh, last December I had a reconversion. I checked myself into a rehab for a drug problem, and I had struggled with pornography on a daily basis. And when I got out of the rehab, I took some extreme measures um, to stay away from the pornography. I was, I mean, the drugs and, and pornography, it was lifted from me. But what I did was my sister gave me a statue of Mary that I built a little stand for, and I put it up on my wall, and I started saying the rosary on a daily basis for the first time in my life. So I've done that every day for 10 months. And then I stopped watching TV. I mean, shows and movies, you know, that were so sexual. I would Google an actress's name, you know, and make mm-hmm. pictures of her. And that, that's how I would, you know, I was, I was obsessed. So I basically, I watch sports and, and the weather. I don't watch TV anymore. And then another, uh, I guess, pointer that I could point out is that it's taken me time to change my mindset the way I look at women. I was so programmed to look at women in a sexual manner that I have this two-second rule. I look at, a, you know, I don't deny that there's beautiful women out there, but I don't look at them for more than two seconds. I, I acknowledge that they're beautiful, and then I look away. I don't, you know, gawk and, and, you know, look at them the way I used to. And that's taken, it's taken some time to, you know, to change my mindset, but it's working. And today I am free from, I have not watched pornography, I have not used drugs, and I gave my life to God last December, and my life has 180 turned around, and it's, it's unbelievable. Matt, thanks so much for calling in. I'm so sorry we're short on time here, but Father, as we are down to the last uh, 20 seconds of the hour, could I ask you to offer everybody listening uh, a blessing as we conclude the hour? Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Joseph, and all the saints, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Sean, thanks so much for being here on the program today. Uh, Really glad to have you on and and, uh, hope we get a talk again soon. And want to encourage you as you're listening, stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up uh, here in about 30 seconds. And of course, there's the Faith Explained coming up after that. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about friendship with the saints here on The Inner Life. Hope to see you then.